This is Jaguar's Happy Hour. And now, a guy who admits to sometimes waking up dangerous, J.P. Shadrick. Yeah, uh, me and Mayfield. Yeah, absolutely. Wake up dangerous. Welcome in. It's Jaguar's Happy Hour, and it's Thursday, and it's week two. And we've got a busy, busy show. Actually, two hours ahead. This is Jaguars Happy Hour. Analyst Jeff Lagerman is coming up. The Colts and the Jaguars in the AFC South this Sunday, 1 o'clock. Final preparations today, tomorrow, walk through Saturday, tee it up Sunday at 1 o'clock. And then the Doug Peterson Show at 5 today. Head coach Doug Peterson joining us on the program a little bit later, an hour from now. Let's hear from Doug Peterson. Earlier this week, you could categorize last week's loss in Washington as a stinging loss for this team, but it's how they move forward. They should all sting. And, you know, I, 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 you know, you've heard the phrase, you should hate losing more than you like to win. And, you know, um, especially when it's self-inflicted, you know, I, I can handle a loss if we get beat, right? I mean, both, both good games, you know, it's better. Good games back and forth comes down to the end. You get beat, right? But when, when you, you make the mistakes that we did, the amount of mistakes on, on both sides of the ball, it just, it's harder. It's harder to stomach. And, and uh, but, you know, listen, it's, it's week one. We got, we, got a, we got a young football team that's eager to get back out on the practice field and, and uh, you know, correct a lot of those mistakes. That's earlier this week, of course, from head coach Doug Peterson. Today, offensive coordinator Press Taylor spoke with the media. The Jaguars had 13 penalties as a team, the highest in the league last week. Many of those on the offensive side of the ball. They had some miscues in the red zone, notably early in the game. This week, for Press Taylor, about cleaning up those mistakes. Yeah, it, you know, it just kind of felt like we missed opportunities. A little bit of missed opportunities of things that were there that we didn't execute uh, at the highest level on, and then even some things that just kind of shooting ourselves in the foot. You know, an illegal formation, illegal shift, um, some things that don't need to happen that we're in complete control of, and we understand that, and, you know, working to rectify that situation. The quarterback could help rectify that as well with a little bit of a better performance overall, trying to keep it steady in week number two for number 16. Just lacked consistency, I think, from myself, from everyone, really, just being more consistent around the, uh, just the whole offense, So, um, in including myself especially. I think, obviously, you look at red zone, and that's something where we had a lot of opportunities and didn't capitalize on them, whether it was a missed throw, a drop, you know, whatever it was, a few things. You know, obviously, I'm, I'm in that as well with the missed throw. A couple of them that were, you know, one to Zay as well, that was close, that probably missed a little bit wide. So. You look at all those, and those are, I mean, everyone kind of sees that, so those are obvious, but then you just break down the game, and you're kicking yourself because you had so many opportunities to win the game, and, and you didn't. So that's frustrating, but to see kind of how we started off really slow in the first half, offensively and defensively, and then to be able to flip it after halftime and play really well pretty much until halfway through the fourth quarter, and then we just got to finish. But to see us battle back and just have that confidence to, you know, we're down. Down two scores, but doesn't really matter. We know we got what it takes to get back in the game. I thought that was huge. And now to the defensive side of the ball. Coordinator Mike Caldwell speaking with the media today. You just heard the offensive side, of course. The defense at a good point in that game last week did their part. They had three takeaways after having nine all of last season combined, and the D.C. loves it. I think it. They, we always talk about they come in bunches, and we've been – 
stressing to the guys to focus on them. And, you know, they went out there and we had uh, two great plays that were made, then the fumble. So, you know, we were focused on it and hopefully that'll continue. So there you have it, some of the best sound of the week on Jaguars Happy Hour on this Thursday. We welcome in Jaguars analyst Jeff Lagerman, who is um, the, one of the most studious people I know. Look at all the paper all over the desk. you got like the that. iPad everywhere. you got your glasses. you got 17 different colors of pens. That's, the, that's the, uh, the secret. When you can separate thoughts with different colors, it's a little bit easier to stay organized, JP. Uh, there you go. I mean, it's, you've got it all written up and ready to go. So, uh, hey, Getting you there. Know, Getting there. And I think this team is ready to move it forward, too, after a, a tough loss, a stinging loss, as you just heard Doug Peterson talk about there. But, hey, they were in the game. They had the lead. They lost it. You know, the sky's not falling. It's on to week two and now a big divisional game. I think the disappointing thing, uh, for from probably from the player standpoint, is that you fight back. You know, you got the lead. And then as a team, you had multiple opportunities to capture that game. Uh, both offensively and defensively. You know, you go back to where you had a 22-14 lead after James's 11-yard touchdown run. You come back out on the field defensively and you allow a, a four-play 78-yard drive that has a 49-yard pass to mm. McLaurin. And, mm. and you allow that big play basically because you've got two kind of breakdowns on the same play. And you can't allow a McLaurin to be over the top when you have a a defense that's designed to prevent that from happening. And so defensively, okay, we messed that up. Well, okay, well, offense, you've got an opportunity now to take control of the ball game because you can run a four-minute drill. You know, put it away, right? Sure, absolutely. Well, grind it out. Well, grind it out. Well, you follow that up. You've got a great ETN run, 27 yards, and then a few more plays later, you're punting the ball back to them, and then – the commanders take that 13 plays, go 90 yards. And by the way, you had a first and 15 yeah. on that drive, multiple third down opportunities as a defense, and you don't capitalize as a defense. Then you turn around the, and the offense has an opportunity to put a drive together to win the game, be a hero. And it doesn't happen. And I think the disappointing thing on that drive is that on the third down, you're going to throw the ball up and uh, give the opponent an opportunity to intercept the ball and, and – you're essentially taking one more opportunity at winning out of the equation mm -hmm. for your football team. So you've got to get some of these things corrected that we talk about here. When you're given the opportunity, you got to capture them. But then also what the coaches are talking about, some of these things are just easily correctable. You know, alignment errors yeah, where you get penalties on offense. Yeah, 13 total penalties for this team, the highest in the league, 90 yards of penalty yardage. Jumping off sides as a defense in one instance early in the game, it was a third and 11. You jump off sides, you give them a third and six. Mm -hmm. Okay, the, the percentages of converting a third and 11 compared to a third and six are astronomically different. And then you give them a first down with an offsides later on in the ball game. And, oh, by the way, hey, they might hard count you on third down. <laughs> Down, yeah. said hut, hut, hut. I mean, that's. I jumped off right now. I jumped off. I blew yours out, Joe. I jumped I'm sorry. Offside. <laughs> I'm guilty. I jumped off. But offside. I mean, that's when you expect it. When it's third and five or third down, you have to expect the hard count as, as a guy that's on the line of scrimmage. I mean, just so many different things that I think can be easily fixed. Part of that is just calming down. You know, you got a, a young team that's excited and and amped up. And uh, I think if you calm down a little bit and, and you still have the intensity, but without 
the hype, I guess you could say. I think you'll have a, a better performance early in the ball game because I thought this team looked tired early in this ball game, and I think a lot of it was just because you're just so amped up to play a ball game. Mm-hmm. You know, when you got a young team and they're so amped up, a lot of times that takes away the energy from playing football because it's it's wasting energy. Let's move our focus now, moving forward to the Jaguars' offense here against the Colts' defense coming up this week. We know Gus Bradley very well, of course, yeah. the head coach. Good here coach for four years. Good coach, got a good system, and it's you know we've heard it a couple of times on shows this week that it's a somewhat simple system. What do you mean by that? Well, it can be simple. Okay, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be simple. But Gus has always had a philosophy is that you want your defense to play fast. There's kind of two two modes of thought when you look at defensive coordinators. One of them is a defensive coordinator says, okay, we're going to make sure that we're assignment perfect and we're going to keep things fairly simple because we want our guys to play fast. We don't want them thinking at all. We're going to teach them what the opponent can do versus our defenses. And then the other side of that is a coaching staff that believes, hey, look, we're going to scheme them up. We're going to have this intricate stuff that they can't figure out, that they haven't seen, and we're going to make it difficult because they're going to have to prepare for a lot. Guys moving pre-snap. Yeah, they're going to have to prepare for for our disguises. We're going to zone blitz. We're going to zero blitz. We're going to play zone. We're going to be doing all this stuff. And so your, your playbook, turns out to be, you know, let's say, for example, let's say Gus Bradley's playbook is 20 pages. You know, some defensive coordinators believe in a, you know, so from 20 pages to 80 pages in a defensive playbook. So Gus Bradley's is, is smaller, but it doesn't mean that it's easier to face because it's, they're taught to what you're trying to do on offense. So they play faster. They play more aware. They react better. So, but it, I think it it makes it easier, I think, from an offensive game planning standpoint, but the execution doesn't make it any – it does not any easier. It's a new, obviously, uh, defensive scheme, defensive coordinator there, but they'll still have – change. They'll have, yeah, it is. But they'll still have that same approach where they're going to go punch after the football and get those takeaways. That's That was a big – That's always been there, but they, they haven't that. had their guy on the field, Shaq Leonard, okay, yeah. which was formerly known as – Darius. Darius Leonard, okay, and he hasn't played yet. He's had a back surgery. Mm-hmm. And Matt Eberflus was the former defensive coordinator, which he ran more 3-4 principles. Gus Bradley is a 4-3 guy. So it's a little bit of a change for the Colts. And Do they have a Leo? Eberflus <laughs> has, gone, Leo? has gone on to be the head coach of the, the Bears. And uh, Leo, four eyes, you know, that's all the Gus Bradley terminology right. that, that you're talking about. Pirates and spikes and rams and all these Auto. different stunts that they have. Yeah. But um, the, the one thing that hasn't changed, that they still have DeForest Buckner in the middle, and he is a stud. I mean, Jonathan Allen is right up there mm-hmm. with the top five defensive tackles. DeForest Buckner is in that same group. And, oh, by the way, last week, Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen had their way a little bit. And this guy that you're facing this week, okay, because Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen are shorter, 6'3"-ish defensive linemen, okay, with arms that are okay length. Okay, DeForest Buckner's got arms that 
literally are probably like 38, 39-inch sleeve length, maybe longer. Mm. I mean, he's long, long, strong, got uh, great athletic ability. So another challenge this week on the inside. And then on the outside, former teammates Yannick Ngakwe is going to be matching up against Cam Robinson. You think Quitty. there'll be some talking in that oh, matchup? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, no. Didn't Jan get a couple sacks here, uh, what, a couple years ago? He got uh, Gardner Minshew a couple times. Yeah, I'm trying to remember who he was playing yeah, with at the time. Was I mean, he's been bounced around <laughs> yeah, so yeah. much. Right. He's been with Minnesota and, uh, and the Raiders. And, and like He got traded midseason to the Raiders. I just year. was like, whoa. Right. Um, anyway. Anyway, and then Quiddy Pays on the other side. He had two sacks last week yep. against Houston. He's not a – a real long guy, but I mean, he's pretty stout. You know, and he had two sacks last week. Was a pretty high pick. I, it's going to be challenging as far as uh, the Jaguars' offense goes because the, the offensive line didn't play well last week. JP, did you like the way the running backs were divvying up the reps that they got? You talking about J. Rob and Etienne? Yes. Yeah, I thought it, I thought it was uh, I thought it was a real nice job. The one thing that I do wish, I wish the opportunities that were all there were captured. And what I mean by that is fourth down and goal. Okay, ETN, you got to catch that ball. Yeah. You know, I, look, I get it. It wasn't a perfectly thrown ball, and it was a, a little high, but it's catchable. I wish Trevor hit ETN on uh, sure. the first drive. You know, could have yeah. been a touchdown. Um, I wish that we didn't, you know, the Jaguars didn't have a, a penalty to negate an ETN or James Robinson, which one? It was ETN's run. I think it was ETN's run. And uh, But I like the way that they, they mixed the two of them in. I like the fact that James Robinson got the start. I think that that's the way it should have been, and that's I was very happy to see that at the beginning part of the game. And James looked fantastic. Right. They, they both looked like uh, they were rolling out there healthy, which well, was great. They so looked great. I mean, both of them looked great carrying the, carrying the ball. Yeah. ETN did not look great catching the ball, not just because of the one. The one that was down the seam, he kind of double-clutched that one, fell down. The protection has to be better by Travis in pass protection. James can be a little bit stouter. I mean, those guys definitely have some real – I mean, we, we, we kind of gloss over the fact that James Robinson just came back from a torn Achilles tendon. In eight and a half months. Are you kidding me? Right. Right. I mean, seriously. I mean, we 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 kind of. I, I think in sports sometimes because it's we've seen this happen. Like last year, the Rams had a guy that came back in a short amount of time. I mean, pe- people have to realize that is unbelievable that you have a running back coming back from a torn Achilles tendon, and he's come back and he looked like himself. I mean, he looked like James Robinson of old. I mean, first of all, give credit to the surgeon, give credit to James, give credit to, to Robbie, who, who was his therapist throughout the entire process. I mean, wow. Because, mm-hmm. you know, JP, a few years ago, bye-bye, yeah. end of career. Possibility, yeah. No, Absolutely. not a possibility, JP. That yeah. was it. It was over. Yeah. That was it. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you got a torn Achilles and you were a skill position player a few years back, you were done. I mean, the only one that I think that I remember coming back from it from the old, you know, from recent history, or should I say the older history, was Dan Reno came back and what did he do? He gimped around yeah, he everywhere. Yeah, he didn't run. He that's gimped for around. Sure. You know, he's doing all this stuff. You know, so and he that's, had to get it out fast. He still was a great player. Sure, but it wasn't the same for Dan. I mean, you watch Danny walk right now; he doesn't walk normal. So anyway, c- congratulations to James. 
and also to the entire team of people that helped him get back because I, I just think you can't say enough about that. A little more later on the wide receiver play last week, Christian Kirk had a day. We'll come back to it in a moment and get into the defense. And they've got their hands full this week against the Colts offense that likes to run the football. PRI Productions, the official event production company of the Jags, has everything you need to bring your next idea to life. Visit PRIproductions.com. Coming up at 5 o'clock, the Doug Peterson Show. This is Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. The station that the Jaguars listen to, 1010XL. Home of the Jacksonville Jaguars. You know, he was older than me, and he's seen a lot of people through the through the years. So when I first got there, I was kind of a timid rookie. Um, didn't really know anybody in the league. And, you know, towards the end of my time there, you know, he came up to me and said he's like the way I progressed, and that just meant the most to me. So definitely a lot of respect for him. And just him saying those words meant a lot to me, but, you know, trying to compete against him. That's Foyer Aluakun, the Jaguars linebacker, brought in from the Falcons in free agency this offseason. And welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour coming up at 5 o'clock, the Doug Peterson Show, J.P. Shadrick with Jeff Lagerman. Well, Aluakun was on the Falcons, of course, with Matt Ryan. Matty Ice is now in Indy with the Colts. Yet another veteran quarterback. The Colts are trying to um, help take them to the promised land, they think. Well, they thought it was going to be Phillip Rivers. That didn't work out. It wasn't Carson Wentz. That didn't work out. They couldn't get him out of there fast enough. And now it's Matt Ryan, who just surpassed 60,000 career passing yards last week in the tie game against Houston. Well, and he's not a guy that I think that the Colts will sit there and go, yes, he's going to be our answer for the next eight years. I think the Colts will uh, – Always be looking for a franchise guy. They have three quarterbacks on their roster, and one of them's a young player in Sam Ellinger, I think is that how it's yeah, pronounced? Yeah, from Texas, yep. Uh, which they feel pretty strongly about him. Most teams don't keep three quarterbacks on the roster, so they're they're hoping to catch lightning in a bottle, maybe in the mid to late rounds with a quarterback. And uh, Nick Foles is the backup there in, in Indianapolis. But like, like, Matt's better than Carson Wentz. I mean, if, if that's what – a lot of people are wondering because uh, Carson Wentz makes some really dumb, panicked decisions. Matt Ryan doesn't do that typically. Well, the fact of the matter is, though, that Matt Ryan will turn the ball over, but he doesn't have this panic about him. He's uh, he's seen a lot of looks. He's uh, got a lot of experience under his belt. And I also think that sometimes when you're when you get older and you've been in one place for a significant amount of time, you can have a little, maybe almost a sense of complacency to where you're not challenging yourself like you were. At least I, I kind of had that a little bit. And when you go to a new place, you feel like you have to prove yourself again. And uh, so it could be good for Matt Ryan. Now his numbers in the first three quarters of football in Houston didn't show that. Right. But, man, you look at the fourth quarter, what he was able to do, and he was pretty doggone good. I mean, I mean – Really doggone good. It helps when you have a running game to support you, and they certainly do Maybe. in Indianapolis. Hmm. Uh, you, uh, uh, a, you, a little running game? You think? Yeah, Jonathan Taylor led the league wow. in attempts, rushing yardage, and rushing touchdowns a season ago, and he's off to that pace again after one week. Yeah, he's really good. You, you go back, uh, what was it? It was the 
2020 season, I think last game of the year yes. against the Jaguars in Indianapolis, and he rushes for, oh gosh, two, 253 yards on 30 carries or something yep, like that? Two touchdowns. Oh, I mean, it was just a monster performance. Now, that was the end of a, you know, a really rough season. I don't season, care what obviously. it was. It's 253 you. yards. I get in a what game. it was. Sure. You know, and then. And last week he rolls up for 161, I believe. I mean, this guy's a workhorse. This guy's a danger every time he touches the ball. Size, got speed, he's got quickness. He's got incredible vision. And there's not a whole lot of running backs that can make it happen with little movement. I thought Emmett Smith was one of those guys. When I used to watch him and face Emmett, he was just so – he had a knack for moving just the slightest bit to create the biggest hole for himself. And, and what I mean by the biggest hole, a lot of times he had contact in that hole. Yeah. But Emmett was so strong, he would run through it. So he would subtle move to power through a guy because he was so powerful. Well, Jonathan Taylor is very similar. It's a little different running style, but I think the, 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 the way it happens is very similar in that Jonathan Taylor makes subtle moves, and he's so strong that he runs through a lot of stuff. There's no back in the league last year that had more yards after contact than Jonathan Allen. I mean, that's how good he is. So if you're going to stop him, or Jonathan Taylor, if you're going to stop him, you'd better have a lot of guys to the football. And you hear coordinators use the terms, we got to populate the football. (laughs) That's right. Okay, well, you better populate the front porch of Jonathan Taylor if you're going to end up beating him this week and holding him to where he's not a huge factor in this ball game because if all of a sudden he's running the ball for 30 carries and 250 yards or 200 yards or 160 yards or whatever, good night. Matt Ryan's going to sit back there and just have, you know, all the time in the world and throw it to his big receivers and it'll be a long a long day at the bank. Roy Robertson Harris said no arm tackles for this guy. Got to get your full weight on him at least. Well, and, yes. And have some help would be helpful. There, there are yeah. some guys that can probably get away with arm tackles against Jonathan Taylor, but it's a very few number. Okay, and Roy Robertson-Harris is a stud mm-hmm. when it comes to how strong he is. And he'd better bring his body with him. Uh, Big Roy is, is strong, but Jonathan is, is really strong. It's a great challenge. Look, the Colts got a good offensive line. I don't want to call him great, but they have a great player in Quentin Nelson. You know, there's um, – couple guys that when I watch the film that you just kind of zero in on, on offense, it's Quentin Nelson, Jonathan Taylor. On defense, it's DeForest Buckner, the length that he has. Quiddy Pay also kind of flashed a little bit. Uh, Darius Leonard always shows up when you watch him, but he obviously didn't play this past week. But, man, DeForest Buckner and Quentin Nelson and Jonathan Taylor, I I don't know – where PFF ranks those three guys in in their position, but they got they got to be top five. I mean, they're they're, they're that good. Quentin Nelson uh, has been to has been a AP first team All Pro, I believe, four times. Um, first three seasons he was first team. Then his fourth season was second team. <laughs> He's been to the Pro Bowl his first four seasons in the league. The only other Colts player to do that was Alan Amici in the fifties. So well, and he just signed a big contract, also four years, eighty million dollars. Yeah, so, I mean it's twenty million a year. What makes him so good? Why is he worth all these accolades and money? He does everything well. He is strong. He moves people, which in 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 a league that 
typically people just try to get in their way. He moves them. In pass protection, he's got balance. He's athletic. He can pull at 330 pounds. Uh, there's just nothing that he can't do. He has the he has the athleticism of a Brandon Sheriff, and then the power of a Larry Allen. Going back to the Dallas Cowboys wow. of old, saying something now. And Larry Allen was stud, yeah, stud. And that's what this Quentin Nelson guy has, as far as power. I can I watch him. I I I, I got to admit, I watch him on every play because when you watch him, you're just going, damn, he's good. I mean, it's like wow, look at that play. Wow, look at that play. And he's not perfect. Um, he got beat on one pass play, a little pass rush this past game against Houston. I don't remember who beat him. It was a defensive lineman that was a uh, – because I'm going to tell you now, the, the Texans, when we get to them and you're going to start sitting there writing the names down of some of the defensive players they have and you're going to go, who? Who's that guy? <laughs> I was literally having to go through the roster, the Houston Texans, to find out who these guys were because so many of them are new and, and young. Uh, but anyway, Quentin Nelson, great player. I, there's, there's not a. I don't think there's a. If there's an offensive lineman in the league that is worth the price of admission alone from himself, I would say it's Quentin Nelson. I was going to say because guard play is not necessarily sexy, but um, that's something to watch if he's out there playing it, though, right? I mean, I, I think if you put an ISO camera on Quentin Nelson, you know, every week. You, you could probably sell the highlight reel hmm. or televise the highlight reel and, and have people be entertained. He's pretty good. And last year he was beat up. I mean, significantly beat up. This year in the offseason, from what I have been reading, is he had completely healthy offseason. And what that allows a player to do is it allows them to work on them getting better and stronger instead of, hey, I'm just trying to get back to where I was at prior to the injury. You know, so instead of rehab mode, you're in progression mode. And I'm sure that made a huge difference for him. I, I know just from firsthand experience when you have an offseason that you're just training compared to an offseason that you're trying to rehab and train, it's difficult to take steps to get better. And, yeah, he's a stud. He's a stud, and, and, I, and I can tell you, Fadakasi, Devon Hamilton, Roy Robertson-Harris, they better strap it on and pack your lunch. Let's come back. We'll uh, get into the Jaguars' defensive personnel a little deeper in this game, coming off of week one, heading into the home opener this week. Of course, today on 1010XL. 92.5 FM, Jaguars.com, Jaguars social media as well. Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Thank you for joining us today. And check out the official Jaguars podcast network. It's free on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you download podcasts. Back with more in a moment. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. Mike Dempsey and Fat Tony. Jaguars today. All Jaguars, all NFL, all the time. 10 to noon weekdays on 1010XL. Welcome back. Jaguars happy hour. J.P. Shadrick with Jeff Lagerman, the Jaguars and the Indianapolis Colts. This week's game presented by TIAA Bank at TIAA Bank Field. Big One game. o'clock kickoff time. Yeah, big, big game. game. Divisional game, home opener. How about this? The Colts, and we'll get to the Jags defense here in a sec, but 
The Colts have five of their first seven games this year against the AFC South. That's a lot of division play early in the season. There's the Chiefs game thrown in there, too. Um, they've already tied a game. So if they drop a couple of these division games early, then it you know it's just a math game in the division at that point for them. It's going to be tough for them to bounce back. Well, and for a team that over the last couple of years hasn't started well, that can be a major problem this year. So they better hold on. Yeah. Uh, and uh, not to mention that uh, this week hasn't gone so well for that team coming here. Yeah, the uh, Jaguars have a long – long winning streak against the Colts in this stadium, at least in the home side of the series. One of the games was in London at Wembley back in 2016. But seven consecutive years, the Jaguars have won the home side of the series. The last Indy win in Jacksonville was 2014. And since that time, of course, the Jags have done it a bunch of different ways, blown them out, uh, squeaked by, held them off in London, a 6 nothing game. You rarely see that in the league anymore. And uh, but hey, one way or another, they seem to get it done here. Well, that's that. Uh, it's it's gonna. I think that's gonna be in the back of their minds. Um, a lot of people say, well, how much does carry over matter? Uh, I think every year is unique, and that uh, you don't assume. A lot. Of, put it this way, Foya Lucan doesn't know anything about no the Jaguar Colt series, right? Okay, Christian Kirk doesn't know anything about it. Devin Lloyd, rookie. Yeah, I mean, they, they hear things right. or whatever, but uh, you know, Doug Peterson wasn't here for the last eight years for any of that. So it's different, but at the same time, when something happens and maybe in a, in a game and it might not be going the way you want if you're a Colts player, then you're starting to go, oh. I think last year was very unique. From the standpoint of all the pressure was on the Colts because, you know, they, they, had, they had to win to get in. The week before, I think it was against the Raiders, they had to win to get in, and they faltered there, and then you come here, and now all the pressure's on them, and they didn't play well, and Carson Wentz really didn't play well. So I think, I think the mistakes can get magnified and, and – in playoff football, I've always said this, the, the magnification of mistakes in the playoffs. And it's no different when you're in a must-win game at the last game of the regular season. It's a playoff game, essentially what it is. Mm -hmm. So when the Colts made a mistake, it was like, oh, you know, geez, we're not doing well. You know, they get tight. And I think that's what the Colts were last year. They're not going to be tight coming in here this year, I don't think. they got a new veteran quarterback. You know, it's a different year. Uh, they're confident in their running game. And – Got a new defensive coordinator. There's so much new to the Colts organization. I just don't think there's going to be any kind of carryover from any of those other years. Who on the defensive side for the Jaguars last week had, would you say, the best game? Who had the best overall game last week on defense? Well, I mean, just from the impact plays, you would you would say your first overall pick, Trayvon. Uh, sack. Yeah, it was in the third quarter opening drive. Interception. Yes. Um, I thought uh, he did pretty well. Now, here's the reality. Me and Baselli had this discussion a little bit after the game, and that if you, because we're both watching film, and if you compare the performance of Montez Sweat versus Trayvon Walker, and you had to pick which one had more of an impact in the game, both Tony and I thought that it would was Montez. 
But Trayvon had the two big plays. Yes. But, but consistency. But play after play yeah. after play after play, Montez Sweat was impacting the game. He was he was giving Cam Robinson fits. You know, I mean, fits. I think Cam gave up, you know, a combination of uh, pressures and hits, I think five in the ball game, and a lot of that was because of Montez Sweat. Hmm. Uh, but Trayvon, I think, had a had a really good game. But I don't think anybody had a great game. I mean, it could, because, you know, we can go around the list. You know, you got Josh had the, the tackle for a loss and the calls fumble. Nice. Okay. Didn't do a great job rushing the passer. You know, he was taking guys down the center a lot. Uh, on the inside guys, I thought uh, Fadakasi and Big Roy and Devon, I thought all three of them played pretty well. But, okay, Fadakasi had a sack and he missed him. Mm-hmm. Okay. And jumped offside. Jumped off sides. You don't have consistent pressure in the middle. Foyer was making some tackles, Lucan, yep. but he got beat on a man-to-man. He got beat on a third down. He uh, uh, was making some tackles that not not exactly where you wanted them to be. Devin Lloyd was a little slow to react. Shaq had the tough play on the long ball, but, look, he needed some safety help over the top. So, I mean, you know, mistakes by both guys in that situation. He had some missed tackles by Darius Williams. You know, Tyson Campbell had a – a big play on the interception where he was just sitting there baiting Carson Wentz, but then he gave up a big play that was the the go-ahead score for for Washington. So I mean, can you say that anybody had an outstanding game? No, but I thought there were there were moments that everybody had some really good moments, and so you try to eliminate those bad plays. You know, focus in a little bit better, get rid of the mental mistakes, the ones that are easily controlled. And then you move forward and get better. Yeah, that second and third quarter felt like what they wanted to be. They were getting off the field quick. They were getting takeaways. They were yeah. setting it up. But it's then, four quarters in a game. It is. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's that yeah. sometimes is a sign that it's a young team. And, you know, at some point, though, you can't keep saying, well, we're a young team. Uh, at some point, you need to grow up and, and say, okay, all right, now it's time to – to produce Produ- production is the is the is the bottom line, and that's what it's all about. Doesn't matter what your age is. Time now for the injury report presented by Baptist Health and the Jacksonville Orthopedic Institute, the official sports medicine provider of the Jacksonville Jaguars. And the athletic training crew is down there twiddling their thumbs. There's not much going on these days. There's oh, nobody there's, on there's, the injury yeah, report. There's always something going on, JP. I mean, it's uh, <laughs> nobody's in the report, right? Nobody's on the injury report, but there's bumps and bruises and things that you have to um, treat uh, maintenance-wise. Every player always has something, you know. So there's ice bags and stem units and. Uh, uh, Hot and cold, you know, where you get the back and forth into the two different tubs and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, all that stuff is still going on, but there's just nothing costly enough or significant enough to put it on the injury report to where a player gets listed, which is pretty amazing. It's pretty cool. It really pretty is. Cool. It's rare. I, I don't remember seeing one, at least in a long time, without you know, anybody and, and, on and, it. Yeah, keep you it. You know, like knocking on wood here because uh, – you know, I don't want to jinx this football team you know, like you just probably did. And well, hey, next whoa, week they whoa, got, oh, easy. Well, come you know, on now. Well, you know, you believe mean, it? Really, I didn't want to talk about that because it's not, it's just oh, okay. not good karma. You're a jinx guy. I didn't know you were well, a jinx guy. Look, I'm a, I, I believe in some of that stuff, man. Okay. Just, just, next time, stay away from it, JP. Don't mention it again. Yeah, well, I will. Uh, by the way, the uh, Colts have a few guys <laughs> on uh, their list. Big so, names. Uh, Shaquille Leonard has practiced full both days of practice. He has a back issue, of course. But remember, he's remember, he full. he had the ankle issue last year. So, mm-hmm. I, and I think he had some surgery 
stuff to fix that in the off season. So, and then he had the back and yes. camp. So, uh, really good football player, and it looks like he's trending in the right direction. Yeah, he did not play last week. So, uh, limited today, a wide receiver, Alec Pierce, with a concussion. Yeah, he's uh, a rookie. He was not on the list uh He's a second-round pick out of Cincinnati. And then today, uh, Kenny Moore, the cornerback, and Michael Pittman Jr., the wide receiver, both uh, Moore has a hip issue, Pittman with a quad issue. They were limited Wednesday. Both did not practice today. And then defensive tackle DeForest Buckner with a hip issue has Big not practiced. Story. Two he days in a row. Two days in a row. He hasn't practiced Wednesday or Thursday. Their best player on defense. Uh, I mean, assuming Shaq Leonard's not out there. I mean, you could have a debate if, if they're both out there and playing well. Hmm. But by far, DeForest Buckner is storyline A. When it's when you're talking about coming out of Indianapolis, that's a big deal. I mean, he he's so good, so disruptive. But is that is that one of these things where like ah, you know he's just you know he's, we're just resting him. He's you know he's veteran guy. It's a long season. Yeah, we're just making sure you know he's going to practice Friday, and that's one of those things that you you know just you don't assume anything when you have an injury report with a veteran guy like that. Because I've seen a lot of guys not practice on Wednesday and Thursday, and then on Friday they practice, and then they get them listed as questionable. And then when you see them out there on Sunday, you would have never have known that anything was ever wrong with that yeah, player. Right, of course. So you prepare like he's going to play. You don't sit there and go, oh, yeah, that's awesome. He's not going to play <laughs> Let's probably. rewrite the whole game plan. No, you tonight. don't do that. No, don't do that. Uh, there you have it, the uh, Baptist Health Injury Report. Again, nobody for the Jaguars officially on the list this week. If you're looking for the MVP of the truck game, then look no further than Ford F-150. Loaded with impressive capability and designed to dominate work, play, and everything in between, this truck makes tough look easy. Your local Ford dealer, proud partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. We're back with some final thoughts in a moment. And then at 5 o'clock, it's the Doug Peterson Show. This is Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. Welcome back. Jaguars Happy Hour. If you're watching us on Jaguars.com or Jaguars social media, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Logaman subscribes to all of those. I do. You're taking a live look at the Miller Electric Center outside TIAA Bank Field. The indoor facility portion starting to go up, which is cool to see. The main building is uh, has taken shape. Concrete is a lot of concrete's been poured. It's great. I mean, it's looking great every day. There's something new happening going. I think up. that's going to be a rooftop practice field. Did you hear about that? No, you didn't. Yeah, I think they're going to have a rooftop practice field on top of the facility. Well, that was one of the original renderings, like in 2014 or 15. Remember that? Yeah, it was on the river? You see on the top there oh, where okay, they yeah. they poured all that concrete. you got to run at an angle? No, that's going to be oh, – okay. no, it's not an angle. That's a flat roof so that it can be a rooftop practice Kind of like field. the earth is flat, too? Well, they figured that they would maximize yeah. the space and go ahead and put a third practice field, or actually a fourth, because wow. of the indoor facility. They would put a third outdoor practice facility or outdoor surface. And so they're putting it on the roof. Yeah, I don't think that's true. I'm starting rumors. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that fooled them. Yeah, way to go. Somebody just turned the radio, didn't hear it last like, part. Man, up? did you hear about the Jaguars <laughs> third 
course. Grass field on the roof. Oh, that's cool. So uh, that'll be ready for training camp 2023. And welcome back. Jaguars happy hour. J.P. Shadrick. That's Jeff Lagerman spreading rumors over there. Uh, Joe Fortunato on the audio. And our video man, our video producer, Brent Reber. It's his birthday today. Yeah, he's like he's like 20, 23 years old. <laughs> So I guess yeah, for the yeah. first time today, I will say happy he's, birthday. He Brent. just he just started shaving yesterday. Now he's, <laughs> now he's 27. Happy birthday, Reaver. Yeah, I, I waited all day. I didn't say it to him on purpose today, and I finally got it in on the show. That's uh, what I wanted. Would you, you bring him for his birthday? The show? You didn't. You bring the show. This, I brought this him is a, a gift, I brought right? him a peanut bar. <laughs> what did you bring him? <laughs> I, I, nothing. Yeah, I didn't know his birthday. Oh, well, now we know. Uh, anybody get him a birthday cake or anything? Oh, I haven't seen him all day, so maybe somebody did somewhere. I don't no? know. Yeah. I, I would have brought one in if We're I don't know nobody six. brought him a, maybe some we'll, candles in or something. Yeah. That's all right. Happy birthday. Happy Reber. birthday to Brent Reber. He, he does a great job for us. And um, so, all right, Colts-Jaguars coming up. Here mm-hmm. we go, big game. Uh, Jaguars have uh, do very well against the Colts in this place. That's in the past, though. We're looking forward. We're future-focused, as the head coach says. So, it's a Colts team that a lot of people picked to win this division. Yeah, they tied last week, but they are still a very talented team overall. Oh, they're a very, very talented team, and uh, I don't know if they have if they have that it to kind of be the best team in the division, to be honest with you. When you have a lot of news, sometimes it takes a little bit of time to gel, and, and like I was talking about, the last couple of years they started slow, which hurt their chances kind of down the stretch. And if they start slow this year, then that could be a major problem. I, I, I think the addition of Matt Ryan will help him again, as I said before. Uh, Jonathan Taylor is the workhorse, and if something were to happen to him, that would be a significant blow to this football team because they really don't have anybody behind him. They have Naheem Hines, who is, uh, you know, he's, put it this way, he's not a carry the load back. Yeah, he's more like a kind of a he's a third down third back. down guy yeah he's a pass catching which he's back done some things is. against this he's team in the past sure yeah but. good player excellent receiver out of the backfield but he's not he's a, not that he's not a carry the low guy yeah. and then the next guy that they have is Deion jackson which uh anybody know anybody anything about him no. i don't know anything about him nope oh, maybe he's this stud I, I don't know it i don't know but uh but yeah this is a this is a very one-player dependent offense as far as how things are going to go. But hey, remember uh, about five, seven years ago, there were like seventeen million tight ends that always performed for the Colts against yeah, this team. Yeah, they're pretty good. I mean, the Titans always had the Titans also had the whole them batch too. of tight ends, and they right. played them all. But like, like Mo Ali Cox was there for a minute in Indy, well, and like a few of those well, kind of guys, well, right? Mo Ali Cox is still there. Yeah, there, there you go. And then like Doyle was there for a minute, right? Yeah, well, Mo Ali Cox and uh, and Doyle, Jack Doyle was a tight end who was a pretty good player. Yeah, he's retired now. But I mean, they had a pretty a couple of decent. But they players. would like for some reason just rack up yards on this team. The one thing I think that they're missing that that I think you got to have in this league is they don't have a lot of speed. When I say speed, I'm not talking about the running back position. I'm talking about the wideout position. Okay. Uh, Michael Pittman's got good speed, but he's not a burner. If you if you probably put him and Zay Jones on the field, I don't know. Zay might outrun them. You know. Uh, 
The rest of the guys are all bigger wide receivers. You know, uh, Paris Campbell is a really good blocking wide receiver. Really good. Arguably the best blocking wide receiver that there is in the league, I think. Uh, you got a young player on the other side, Alec Pierce, the guy who has the concussion, second-round pick out of Cincinnati. Uh, but, yeah, Ashton Doolin, another guy, kind of, you know, just an average guy. But they don't have a lot of speed. That's a, there's not a lot of teams that are sitting there going, man, you know what, we got to keep our safeties back. Like last week with McLaurin, you're like, ooh. Yeah. You know, we got to make sure that we got safety over the top of him. And then with the young player that from Penn State. Uh, uh, Dotson. Jahan Dotson. Dotson. Jahan Dotson. Yep. From Washington was a guy that's got great speed, and uh, but I just I don't see a lot of speed with with Indianapolis. But uh, yeah, I, I and Matt Ryan throws a good deep ball. Yeah, that's always been one of Matt Ryan's strengths, and I'm surprised that the Colts in the off season didn't try to find some kind of vertical threat to add to their offense because Matt Ryan does throw very good deep. I mean, that's one of his, like I said, it's one of his strong suits. But at each his own, I guess. You know, they've always been kind of in that mode of draft and develop. They're, they haven't spent a ton of money in free agency, at least historically. And uh, they're big believers in drafting their own, developing their own. I think, what is the GM's name in Indianapolis? Uh, B- Ballard? Chris Ballard. Yeah. Came from Kansas City. Mm-hmm. It was uh, kind of a – the underling to uh, Brett Beach, I think it is, the GM in Kansas City that works so closely with Andy Reid. But this, Gus Bradley's coming back. Yeah, Gus coming to town, and um, there's a lot of connections. Of course, Frank Reich and Doug Peterson yeah. were on the coaching staff in Philly. Nick Foles, as you said, is a backup on the team. Uh, the connections here and with Doug. I mean, that, that, there's a lot of uh, back and forth with these two teams. Um, of course, uh, Jan and Gakwe. Gus Bradley, when he left here, he bounced around a little bit, was with the Chargers. And then Las Vegas, mm-hmm. and then now with Indianapolis, and and he's had success pretty much everywhere he's been as a defensive coordinator, going all the way back to the time that he was with Seattle. Good football coach, always positive. I'm a big Gus Bradley fan just because I think he's a good man, and uh, was uh, very beloved here in Jacksonville with a lot of people in the organization and outside the organization. Didn't have a great record as a coach, and from that standpoint, a lot of people didn't love him. But, but a good dude. Uh, there's, he's one of the best one of the best people that I've ever met, as far as coming through here, coaching staff wise, and and I'm I'm a big fan of Gus Bradley. Yeah, I think he's he's one of the top uh, people you'll run across. Great in the family, NFL. great family. Deal. His oh. wife, Miguel, is awesome. Yeah. I mean, just good people. Their son's playing at South Alabama now. Jaguar is he? Yeah, quarterback. Yeah, good for him. How about that, good for in him. Mobile. Um, all right, so let's touch again on the Jags' offense for our final few moments he here. He still can't pronounce Jaguars, by the way. <laughs> I bet not. That never really Jig. goes away. It's Jig. Jaguars. Jaguars. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, Christian. I tried. <laughs> it was, he, it was pretty he, close to a Dakota accent. JP, when he first got here, I was like, gosh, we got to have a conversation. <laughs> He's like, I said, Jag. Jags. Just say Jag. Ag. <laughs> Ag, <laughs> Jake. And he'd do yeah. it. He'd say Jag and, uh-huh. and Ag, but then when he got the Jaguars, it would go Jaguars. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Poor Gus. All right. So uh, Christian Kirk had his third best career yardage day this yeah. past Sunday, and it feels like that's not just going to be a one-off uh, the way they 
Threw it to him 12 times. He caught six of them. He was open a bunch. Um, that's a good start. Well, it's a good start. And the the Washington Commanders and Jack Del Rio gave him the opportunities. There was a couple times to where Washington is matching up in man coverage and somehow, and I don't know if the Jaguars were intentionally trying to get this matchup or you know, they game plan for it or it was just luck. But typically when it happens once, it might be luck. The second time, it's probably more of a, a trend. They got Jamin Davis, the linebacker for Washington, who was a first-round pick out of Kentucky last year, matched up on Christian Kirk a couple times. They take down any day of the week. Yeah, I was going to say, that, that sounds right? pretty favorable. Man to man? Are you <laughs> yeah. kidding me? And then uh, the deep ball was a great route by Christian Kirk. For, show, showed a couple different things. One, it showed great awareness by Christian, great discipline to run the route, to execute the route, and then great speed because you got to have great speed that once you turn the hips or flip the hips of the defensive back on that 49-yarder to be able to turn the Jets on and and get out there. And then Trevor threw it out a little bit out front, and so he had to go get it. Uh, that was an excellent play by Christian. I think he's going to end up having 100 catches this year. I, I made that prediction before the game. I'm standing by it. Obviously, if you did the math six times 17, you're going to get there. That'd be 102. Oh, thanks. I, I was I wasn't carrying the one. <laughs> but the <laughs> the uh, the part that I want to see improve is that 12 targets, six catches. Okay, the the catch to target ratio has to improve there. It can't be 50%. You want it to be somewhere 75-80% range. Speaking of, tonight on television in Jacksonville, Fox 30, Jaguars All Access, live from Strings Brewery in Springfield. Josh Allen is your permanent co-host with special guest, Christian Kerr. Hey, imagine that. Yeah, we're going to have him on tonight. And a couple things to look forward to. The play, one play we're going we're gonna to talk with Chris, Christian specifically about that one-on-one matchup with Jamin Davis on one of the plays. We're going we're gonna to talk about it and show it. Cool, and then let him tell us about it, and uh, and then with Josh Allen, Trayvon got the first sack of his career using a move called a chop move. We're going to talk about that as well. We'll check that out tonight. We'll come back in a moment. Network coverage begins with the Doug Peterson Show. We'll hear from the head coach in just a few moments. This has been Jaguars Happy Hour on Jaguars Radio.